When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Lucinda Williams, today's uh, musical guest on the Friday Fun Fest. Matthew Collar's with us. And uh, Manny, uh, we had a uh, deep conversation getting ready for this football segment by talking about sequels and TV series that that have a great first year and then keep trying and trying. And and you brought up a great uh, bloodline, which was everybody was into the first year and became so preposterous. They're basically a bunch of serial killers now, right? Yeah, if they had put a bullet in Bloodline after the first year, yes, everyone would have been like, this was so good, watch <laughs> yes, it, it's right. so great. The first season, it had this really compelling storyline of a brother coming back home and then you can't figure out what he's yes, scheming right, on. It was, right. really, it was really great. Yes. And the second season, yeah, everyone turned into uh, yeah. a killer of some kind. <laughs> and They did so many things that they would have been well, they easily get, caught. They get off that they get they they give you the big cliff, cliffhanger story or not cliffhanger but they give you the big finish and then they say well now we got to go beyond that right. and it's uh true detective as you as you mentioned you you didn't get to see it but the first year was the greatest ever and the second year was unbelievably rotten with colin farrell and rachel mcadams and it was still horrible and the greatest line on that was uh well, uh, there's going to be True Detective 3 to try to find out, two, det- two investigators try to find out how come season two was so rotten. <laughs> but Brock, it's the same thing has happened to Brockmire. Manny, have you been watching it? I have not dipped into season two of Brockmire yet. It's terrible. Is it really bad? It, last year was, you know, it's the announcer, the, yeah. you know, Hank Azaria, and it's, it's, the first season it was, was so good. Fantastic, funny, Amanda Pete, great, and, it's just been a hodgepodge mess the second. There year. are so many good examples of this. Yeah. House of Cards hung around for a long time. Yeah. And I bailed on that pretty yeah. pretty soon. Mad Men had steam for maybe three mm-hmm. seasons. Mad Men had a nice la- rallied after a couple of bad years, and then then the second half of the last year they were good. But I can't make it through the bad years. There's some people. Yes. My wife will watch all the way through. She watched all of Mad Men. It's like good luck with that. I'm not wasting. 40 hours getting to the episodes four seasons from now that are any my wife and i were into suits for a while uh the lawyer one well megan markle was the uh was the love interest in it and it the story got so damn repetitive it was unbelievable but i'd still check in on megan every week just to see how (laughs) prince harry's now prince harry's bride is uh, doing now so we uh wrapped up a very successful mini camp uh very few problems i guess the only controversy was anthony not being there the first week and that wasn't even a controversy right no because he came back 
second week and said, oh, he was just waiting for some insurance paperwork to come through, and now he's back. It was surprising to me that there was no contract noise whatsoever. Even the history that this team has, when you look around the league and you see all the other superstars, Earl Thomas and Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack, all these guys saying, we're not going to show up up. because we're going to wait for those contracts, and then you don't see it with these guys here. I, I guess it could mean one of two things. It could mean that Stephon Diggs, Daniel Hunter could be maybe thinking of betting on themselves, or it could mean that they're all pretty close to signing deals and they're not going to make any noise while they're doing it. Is Barr the guy that's not going to get signed? I think Barr will because they drafted him in the first round and there was a little hint from Mike Zimmer last year where Zimmer said, I drafted him, mm-hmm. which I thought, okay, yeah, that's right. Zimmer really <laughs> loves Anthony Barr. Yes. And I think that's why he was so hard on him in 2016, yes. because he likes him so much that he thought, you know, he was really frustrated he wasn't getting everything out of Barr in 2016. But last year, Barr had a very good year, wasn't so great in the playoffs, but he is a guy that would fall into that category of the upper third at his position. I don't look at him as quite as valuable as Eric Kendrick's. But I think that he's going really, to want you know, more. I think he wants more. I definitely think he wants more, mm-hmm. and that may be where the where it comes in that he's been working. He's as gotten a pass some rusher. honors that perhaps he didn't deserve, right? Well, he was a Pro Bowler in 2016. Yeah, and that's ludicrous. So, yes. Col- so, Collar, here's my question: So, if they let's say they work out a new deal for Barr, mm-hmm. and and they got they got Rhodes locked up, right? Yep. And they got Harrison Smith locked up, right? Yep. And they got Kendricks locked up. Everson, Linval, yep. Who is going to be because they they're not going to have enough money for everybody, right? You got Cousins making thirty plus. So who? If, who it depends upon if Hunter and uh, Diggs are willing to. Somebody's going to have to get let go, great, right? Good money instead of great money. Right? They have an incredible ability to work with this salary cap, mm-hmm. and Kendricks's deal is very good over the first couple of years with the salary cap. Mm-hmm. And when you look at some of the other guys that they could work with, Everson Griffin, I think it's next year has no like no money dead cap if they cut him, or maybe it's the year after. Um, Kyle Rudolph has no money dead cap if you cut him after this year. And so that that just screams reworking the deals. And that's mm-hmm. what, with the NFL, it's really a, a cheat code. I mean, with the other salary cap, like in the uh, NHL, you have to just stick to the money. And if you can't afford someone, you can't afford them. But with the NFL, it's like, well, let's just look around and find somebody's deal to rework if we can. And Rudolph... Except, it be, doesn't it become a question as to whether they want to give Daniel 18 or not, or uh, Stefan Diggs, whatever the hell it is, if they want to give him that much? It could be, but the way that they structure these things is usually to have low cap hits early on, or one year where it's a huge cap hit, mm-hmm. and other years where it isn't. And they're always seeming to be able to juggle these things. So I think that they probably could. Where the issue comes in with signing all these guys and having the huge quarterback contract is when you get to free agency, you can't sign anybody. That mm-hmm. With a quarterback contract that's that big, the Eagles were able to build the team the way they have, and the Rams, because they could sign all these free agents with a rookie quarterback deal. Yes. with Carson Wentz and, and yeah. Jared Goff on their rookie contracts, and that allowed them to stack up with free agency. You look at what those two teams did the last two years. They signed everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Rams you know, added Dominican Sue and Philadelphia added Elshon Jeffrey for a bunch of money. The Vikings won't be able to do that, but at the same time, they've kept all their stars. I think, though, if you look at Hunter and Diggs, 
what they would be offered now versus what they would hit the yes, market that's, at. I guess that's what I I'm saying. I think there's a big gap there. That's what I'm saying. Is is it's not a question of Brzezinski figuring out a way right. to do it. It's a mean, question yeah. of do I want to pay Daniel Hunter this much money? Do yeah. I want to give him fifty million guaranteed? I think he should be asking for at least that, if not mm-hmm. more. And I know that last year he wasn't quite as effective, but he was still pretty darn effective. And he's only twenty three right now. Now, you'd be talking about signing a guy to a five-year deal in his entire prime who's a freak like that, who has already got 19 and a half sacks over the last two years or 20 sacks. Uh, those guys get a ton of money. I remember when everyone was stunned that Olivier Vernon got all that money. And it's like, that's one of the most important positions on the field now. And those guys, when they hit the free agent market, I think we saw this too from the wide receiver position with what Sammy Watkins got. $30 yeah. million guaranteed for a guy that's been hurt and produced like 39 catches last year. Yeah, and Diggs is, uh, you know, that's the other thing. Diggs is, they, it's it's the amount of money, guaranteed money. that I wonder if, you know, Cousins is a quarterback, and that's, you know, completely different. But I wonder if him getting it all guaranteed is making all these guys think, I got to get more guaranteed. I got to get a higher percentage guaranteed, I, you know? And when you look around the league, I mean, that's the trend is that everybody is trying to jack up that number for the amount of guaranteed money. And when, as they should, (laughs) as they absolutely should. And, and Mike Evans, I think was around 50 million or or something Mm -hmm. like that guaranteed. And if you're Stefan Diggs, yeah, you don't have quite the fantasy stats as some of these other guys who are the only good wide receiver on their team. But when you look at what he does for his quarterback, Case Keenum had 120 quarterback rating throwing to Stephon Diggs last year. Everyone knows that. That's, that's no secret that he was number one in the league in contested catches and made Case Keenum look like a great quarterback last year. Someone will pay big time. If they were going to pay for Jarvis Landry, who to me is not even close in talent mm-hmm. to Stephon Diggs and what he can do, then they're definitely going to pay Diggs. Yeah, and uh, it, he's also a guy, what, fourth-rounder? Diggs? Yeah. Fifth-rounder. Yeah. Fifth-rounder. So he's made zero money right, right now. Right. He's made zero money. Yep. He needs a part-time job. So he's going to go <laughs> and get all he possibly can. I mean, fifth-rounders make no money. So R- Right. I, I see that he's got a deal with Adidas, so maybe the Minneapolis okay. Miracle helped him a little bit. But, yeah, and, th- and that would be maybe the argument for someone like him to sign now. And I think with Xavier Rhodes, that's what it was. With Xavier Rhodes, it was, hey, man, like, yeah, maybe you leave a few bucks on the table, but – Think about what you're going to get right now from us, and then you'll have the stability. You could stay here, and the money is right here for you. you Make sure set. it's guaranteed, though, because they'll take it away from you in a moment's notice. <laughs> they will, yes. All right, we'll be back. Matthew Collar. Uh, Lucinda fits the Friday Fun Fest theme, but uh, she certainly is uh, good at what she does. That is for sure. So, uh, offensively, obviously, all the conversation has been about the offensive line. And I talked to you about this the other day. We talked about it the other day with Yotter, too. Does Remmers playing right guard... All of OTAs and minicamp mean anything, or can that change at a moment's notice if they decide they have a guard? Well, we saw last year that it definitely can change if they find some other better option, but I don't think that there is a better Mm -hmm. option. I mean, 
The only other way you could do it would be to put Tom Compton in there because mm-hmm. he's a veteran, but he's a backup type guy. Yeah. Or if Danny Isidore really impressed you, but he was a fifth round pick from last year and filled in for a handful of snaps. Is he a big kid? Uh, is he what? What's he? Is he an athlete? Or I think yeah, I think that's one of the things that they like for guys that mm-hmm. are that are good athletes. And he played pretty well when they asked him to fill in against Cleveland. Not great, but showed that he could play in the NFL. <laughs> For the one game that he was in there. But Remmers, I think, is actually a good guard Mm -hmm. because he is a vicious run blocker. He's great at finding people in space. He can move pretty well. I mean, that was one of his major benefits as a right tackle is because how well he can move. He can pull out. He can pull as a right guard as big as he is. Yeah. And and he, he wasn't great at left guard. In the playoffs, and I didn't like that decision. You're asking a guy to flip everything yeah. around, but when he why played, why did they do that? Because Easton was hurt, and who played right guard then? I can't remember. I thought that they overthought it, so mm-hmm. it was uh, Berger. Oh, was Berger played right guard, yeah. right guard, yeah. yeah, and then it was Elfline at center, and then mm-hmm. him. Yeah. I thought they were overthinking it. I thought Berger, the guy who's the veteran, who's sure, been around could, a million years, yeah. yeah, move him to left guard. Remmers had never played left side before. Uh, but at right guard in week 17, I went back and watched that, and we sort of don't pay attention to when they're facing the Bears and beating mm-hmm. them in week 17. But I watched that matchup closely, and he was facing off with Akeem Hicks, who's a really good uh, defensive tackle, and he did a nice job there. Mm-hmm. So I think they went back probably and watched that tape and said, you know, if he can handle this guy who we're going to face a couple times and mm-hmm. is one of the better at his position, then maybe he is a good option there. Him I'm not concerned about. The guy you'd be concerned about is Rashad Hill at right tackle. What do we know? He he played. He was and he was he was getting a fair amount of not praise, I would say, but he's okay until uh, the Eagles went after him. I like Rashad Hill for what he was, which would be a backup. I mean, mm-hmm. he'd be one of the best backup right tackles in the league. As a starter, though. There were times last year where he had good games. There were other times where he got beat pretty badly. And when you look at this schedule that they're going to be facing, it's one great edge rusher after the next. And I look at right tackle these days as being just as valuable as left tackle because there are so many great pass they, rushers. They don't care where they come at you from. Right, and they line guys up all over the place. So he's, But he's decent in pass protection. He's not that great as far as run blocking. The fact that they didn't resolve this at the draft or in free agency, and they're going to put so much pressure on him, because I don't think Brian O'Neill is anywhere close. So th- this is a lot of pressure on a guy who was on Jacksonville's practice squad in 2016. Why uh, didn't they... I, okay, I, what they didn't do draft-wise is fine, but why didn't they go... Could they not afford to get in the race for any uh, offensive lineman as a free agent? Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, so the, that was just what you were really saying. high. Yeah. yeah. If you were looking at somebody like Justin Pugh, I mean, you're talking about spending ten million plus. Okay, and they they can't with these with these free agencies hanging over their head. They they couldn't do that. Right. And hey, Riley Reef was uh, I know a lot of praise early last year. Did he did he maintain it all through the schedule? He didn't, but I think that was because he was dinged up. Okay. He missed a lot of practices, and he had some issues later on. He missed a big chunk of time, I think, in the Carolina game that that he was out. And it was pretty clear that that took its toll. Uh, there were also times with Case Keenum, for as much success he had on short passes, which is where a huge mm-hmm. chunk of his yards came from, 
He held the ball. I was looking at these numbers for whatever reason not too long ago. He held the ball almost as long as anybody else in the league, which usually is quarterbacks who have seven-step drop offenses or Mm -hmm. something like that or who run a lot. But he would spend his time in the pocket. He would try to move around. I think that kind of created some of the sacks and pressures later in the season because teams started to realize that Keenum was doing that a lot. But I like Reef. I don't think that he's the next Jenny Slater, no. no. But, I mean, I don't look at him as like that's a problem at all. I think he's more positive than negative, especially in the run. Sounds like, to me, uh, just looking at him, even as you're looking for a starter at right tackle and and the whole thing, they really could run into a 2016-style depth problem if if two or three guys get dinged. Well, and you're talking about if someone like Rashad Hill got hurt, you'd probably kick Remmers out to tackle, and then you're you're scrambling to have people play in positions they didn't practice in all season. Where where they're really set, though, in terms of the offensive line and where it could be a legitimately good offensive line is in the middle with Pat Elfline, who Mm -hmm. had a great rookie season and could continue to improve now. I think that's a really hard position to play as a rookie, and he had adjusted well, and I think he can get better, and I think Nick Easton can even get better, too, at left guard, and considering they'll have Delvin Cook back, there's a lot you could do with those guys moving around. What was Elfline's uh, problem here? The foot? I believe it was the ankle, maybe a broken ankle in the the playoff game. It's uh, taken a while. Coach Zim, because he doesn't have to tell us doesn't, right? (laughs) He doesn't have to tell us until the season starts, right? Yep, exactly. But it was an it was an ankle. When yeah. did he leave in that game? Uh, I think it was like third quarter, late okay. in the game. The, the injuries from minicamp that we don't know mm-hmm. are Everson Griffin didn't practice at all. I mean, he just did warm ups, and the same with Anderson Deho. And those are the two that they seem to be keeping close to the vest. We know mm-hmm. that Elfline's going to be back, and he's been mm-hmm. on this path to recovery, and he's been working out on the side and all that, so he should be fine. But with Sendejo and Griffin, there those are the ones where when we get to camp, it's going to be like, okay, are these guys participating or not, or what was the issue? Zimmer said one day Everson tweaked something. Like, okay, mm-hmm. tweaked what? And you guys, you, you know. guys have to ask Zim injury questions just to irritate him a little, right? <laughs> I mean, that's that's part of the fun of it, you right? Stirring them yeah. up. So, do uh, they do they have enough depth on the defensive line? Because I. I I look at Philadelphia last year and they were just rotating guys in and out like every other play and they kept those guys fresh and that that's what really helped their defense. So the Vikings have maybe not that much depth, but do they have enough? The short answer is no, because they didn't sign any of the guys that they could have who were proven edge rushers like Junior Gallette or uh, Robert Ayers. I think both of those guys are still free agents that they don't have homes. The longer answer is if they decide to use Anthony Barr as a defensive end more often this year, then you could start to have a rotation there. I wouldn't expect a whole lot for Brian Robinson at this point. And these other guys that they've drafted or brought in, they like some of them, Stephen Weatherly to Sean Bauer, but they haven't played really in the NFL for me to say, oh yeah, you could definitely count on this guy or that guy. So they didn't really accomplish that goal that they had set out unless they've got this plan, which they might because it it looks that way at minicamp to have bar as part of this rotation uh matthew collar is with us we're wrapping up a uh, minicamp here uh vikings unveiled 
the uh, new facility today for their own select little group, and uh, Roger Goodell showed up, and uh, I'm sure everybody applauded one another on the wonders of uh, the, the Taj Mazigi 2 out there in uh, Egan. Uh, and they did name, a, it's nice that somebody finally named something after Sid in this town. So uh, they we now have the Sid Hartman interview room. And Sid was beaming from the uh, photo that I saw took taken by Aaron Lubinsky. We shall return this ride with Ricey. Lucinda Williams, today's a musical guest. Case Keenum never won you over, did he? You were uh, you weren't exactly like Mackie with Tibbs, but uh, and Wiggins, but he never won you over. You you tolerated him, right? Uh, I think the head coach of the football team and I have been in lockstep with the <laughs> quarterbacks. That um, I think I he he was. It, it took him a while too. It did. I, I don't know what you're talking about, Kyler. He's the 51st best player in football according uh, to his peers. So every year, someone should do a documentary about how those are. Put together because I was in the locker room one day and the NFL Network people came yes. in and they start handing them out. Yes. They hand them to practice squad guy. Hey, you look like a football player. You could, <laughs> you could just be like a jacked up PR guy yeah, and they would right. just hand you one. And there's guys in the locker room asking us, hey, who's that guy from the Raiders? Like, yeah. just, come on. Yeah. One guy, I looked over his shoulder. One guy had Everson Griffin as the number one player in the NFL. I'm like, okay, this is, this is super legit. So don't take that seriously. With uh, Case Keenum, I appreciated his personality a mm. lot. I appreciated that he was a gamer and mm. that he was kind of a winner, a guy mm. who was just willing to take a risk and all that. But when you break it down to what his skill set actually is, I mean, he just really doesn't have the physical skills, the arm, the accuracy, all those things to be consistently good over a long period of time. And if you don't have the perfect set of circumstances, if a couple of guys get hurt or whatever else, I don't think he'd be a guy who could get you there. Where someone like Kirk Cousins will, I think he will. I don't think things have to be perfect for him. I think that if you know he lost a receiver for a few games, he'd be okay. Where Keenum just had... I. Zimmer said the one time he's got a horseshoe around his neck. And that, that's exactly how it felt. He'd be running around and throw it up, and the guy, you know, nobody's open, and somebody just comes out of nowhere and catches the ball. Somebody comes. Yeah. Well, all you got to do is look at the last play against the Saints. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he had nothing to do with that. No, no, he no, just nor did Diggs. And, just and the funny were, idiot. There were two other passes in that game too, where he just kind of the the one down by the goal line. I think it was in the first half where he just kind of. Danced and danced because nobody was near him, and then he just kind <laughs> yes, of threw yes. up a duck, and and um, I think it might have been Rudolph or somebody that came down with it. And in that Saints game, there was the perfect reason to not buy into Case Keenum because the Minneapolis miracle almost didn't happen because of a terrible decision toward the end of the game that he got away with. Mm-hmm. That They were in field goal position, and he got pressure, yes. rolled out, winged it down the sideline to Kyle Rudolph. It could have. It was like a foot away from being picked, mm-hmm. and it just ended up incomplete. That happened a lot, where there were just like throws that his guy came up with, or it worked out okay. So I no, I never fully bought into him as a franchise quarterback. I do think, though, you might have made an argument for it. His price tag, if you were going to bring him back, yeah. that it would have been you know okay because you'd have more flexibility, more money to spend. Well, they would have if they didn't get cousins. What have they done that? I think so, yeah. yeah. If Cousins had gone to the Jets, then mm-hmm. 
I might have guessed that Teddy and Case would have both been back, yeah. and they would have said, all right, you two guys battle it out in training camp, and if Teddy's knee is good, then he'll probably start, and if not, then Case is the starter, and we're right back to it. What's really interesting about the those two guys versus um, cousins is just how different their personalities are. I was going to ask you about that. We're going to take uh, we're going to take our break here, and we come back. I wanted to ask you how after the after the love that apparently teammates had for Teddy, and uh, they enjoyed Keenum too. How this different kind of personality is going to play? Uh, we'll we'll talk about that when we get back. Lucinda Williams, today's musical guest. So just from a distance, everybody loved Teddy. I was around him a few times, and uh, uh, he seemed to be a genuinely nice guy who wasn't going to say anything, <laughs> but really was terribly insightful. But uh, uh, they everybody loved him, and Keenum was uh, kind of a... That, as underdogs have a tendency to be, he was a, you know, he was a straightforward, good-enough fella. Uh, cousin seems to be a a bigger personality with a pretty pat approach to talking about things. But uh, what what's your observation? Yeah, it's it's very stark how different yeah. they are. And one of the things to me, just in, in the media, even though neither Case nor Teddy was, I mean, they didn't go on and on telling no, no. you all about route combinations they wanted to use, <laughs> but. Uh, but they both came across as very authentic in the locker room. And when I would talk to some guys off the record about Teddy, they were best friends with him. Yeah, and everybody was his best friend. Yeah. I yeah. mean, he got along with everyone. And I saw a story the other day, I think it was Pioneer Press, Kyle Sloter, number mm-hmm. three quarterback who's never played, that Teddy is still texting him with advice and stuff about really? how to how to improve. And that's the type of person that Teddy was. That like in the locker room, he treated the fifty third guy like like himself uh, as an equal, and they really appreciated that. And with Case, it was such a little engine that could; it was yeah, kind of a right. perfect situation. Yeah. And another guy that just came across as a, a football boy from Texas. Yeah, it was easy to come into the club, a locker room after a game, and say he did it again. The little, you know, did, yeah. our, our little miracle guy did it again. Right. So we never saw any sort of downside to him, but I think that. I think even when there were struggles, he came across as very authentic, and he refused. Would he take responsibility yes. if he uh, threw in the bad pick or something? 100% of the time, and I think that is that there. was what was common with those two, and I don't think you're going to get that with Cousins. And when I've listened to him already talk, he was talking about uh, working with the center, Nick Easton. I mean, yes. he's filling in for Elfline, yes. and he's talking about how Easton is, you know, is, getting calls out too quickly for him or something. And it was like, okay, so, I mean, you're just... <laughs> in you're, Right, you're kind of like... And, and he's like, you know, he tries to make a joke. He's like, well, you know, he's a Harvard boy, so he's smarter than me. And it just kind of came across as like, okay, are you, like, complaining about how the center <laughs> is coming across this way? And so I went back and watched his John Gruden camp. Okay. And what was really interesting about back this... Back when he's coming into the draft. Is... Gruden always ripped the guys apart. If you ever watched yeah. the full thing, he would rip yeah. the guys apart and see how they reacted. Yeah. Every single criticism of Cousins, he had a well actually for Gruden. Well actually, <laughs> Gruden's like he's he's fumbling a wet so ball. So he was not intimidated at all by Gruden. He wasn't. But, but at but the same was, time, yes. a lot of the other guys are like, yeah, all right, okay, I'm I'm yeah. taking your coaching, I'm agreeing mm-hmm. with you, I'm trying to like learn from you cuz you're John Gruden and he was like, you know, there was an example where he fumbled a couple times against Ohio State and Gruden's like, what is it? You can't handle a wet ball. 
And he goes, well, the referee didn't have a towel. And it was like, <laughs> okay, Kirk. He's very much that guy. And there are successful quarterbacks who are like this. Yeah. Favre would blame other people. Oh, yeah. Manning used the really trash people in his oh, press Favre conferences. Favre could not. I mean, I remember Favre threw six interceptions, and the famous quote was, ah, could have thrown eight. You know, I mean, it was, it was, he was, he would not, it, but he would turn down criticism in a country style, you yeah, know, in a, yeah. in a kind of a country style, but he never took the, he, he, he had that quality of him, of, of, he, Tiger Woods, very, Yep. Not blame himself. You know, you they wouldn't heap uh, criticism on themselves. Yep. And I remember Peyton Manning. Remember after that that uh, playoff loss to the Steelers, the year that Steelers went all the way and won the Super Bowl with the Pettis in Detroit. Yep. Yeah, he said we had after the game. He said, "Yeah, we we had some problems with protection." <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. Like okay, that's so. and I think that's a little bit of what you're going to get from Kirk. And I'm not sure that these guys are used to that yeah. quite yet. And that will take some adjustment time for them. Uh, what, uh, what What is the word? Bridgewater was getting the good reviews from uh, New York, right? That he's uh, actually moving around. And I, did I, he p- full participant? And he, stuff? Yeah, all the way through the minicamps, he was a full participant. I saw he had one rough day, but there were other times where the New York writers I follow were raving about how well he performed. But also, it seems Sam Darnold has been really good, too. Okay. So there's a chance that he doesn't win that job because they want to give it to Darnold. And then they trade him somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Somebody's quarterback always pops an ACL. Yeah. Like it's just bound to happen. Somebody loses their quarterback in preseason every year. Uh, one year was the Vikings. And so they'll probably, if he doesn't win the job outright, then uh, they'll probably trade him. But at least at this moment, it looks like he's going to be able to play. Did uh, and any reviews from Denver on Keenum? They're going to say they like him, I'm sure. Yeah. Elway's, Elway's not going to admit Spending $18 million a year on a guy and have him turn on. Mike Liss told me at the Super Bowl last year, you know, it covers for the Post, that that when when Denver was rumored as one of the Cousins thing, he says he would much rather give $18 million to to uh, Keenum mm-hmm. than on a three-year deal than, yeah. than, uh, than $28 million or he thought At the time, he said $30 million guaranteed for Cousins. I think that they did the right thing by signing Keenum because he's a upgrade from Trevor Simeon as starting quarterback. They still have a good defense. They've stacked their team a little bit more on offense, so they could compete this year. They could make the playoffs. What surprised me, though, is that they didn't draft a quarterback. Yeah, I was just going to ask, have they like pulled the plug on Paxton Lynch? Are they just... I think, yeah, I think he can't that experiment's or, over. Yeah, okay. they tried to put him in a couple games. And it really shows you just he how bad, when these teams get super desperate, Christian Hackenberg, second-round pick, yes, who never right. play in a game, and he may never play in a game. We'll see him in the XFL, actually, mm-hmm. Christian Hackenberg. He turned the Penn State program around. When he left, they got good. <laughs> yeah, right. That's <laughs> right. They didn't have to yeah. have him in the pocket. They put in the guy who could move around a little bit. And, S- and, side note, Pat, do you know who I saw? There was a uh, I was watching a CFL game a little bit last night. You know I saw playing quarterback for the Strab. Winnipeg. Strebler. Strebler. For the Winnipeg yeah. Blue Bombers. Was he the starter? I think he was a starter, he, yeah. yeah. He, you know, he had a great career at South Dakota, but yeah. he went up there. I was meant to look that up to see. Because I saw on Twitter, touchdown Strebler, the South Dakota. You know, they, the rumor here was he couldn't throw. But uh, mm. they put him in a couple of times, and he, he threw it all over. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You know, I, I wonder... 
There's a lot of people who feel that Washington let him go just because they, they'd never sign him because they didn't like him. Right? Yeah. As, yeah. As a guy, not not so much as a performer. Yeah, and it's it's just really hard for us to get a feel on yes. him because, you know, there have been plenty of examples of guys who just don't get along with wherever they are and they go somewhere else and that's exactly what they needed. Sure. Would you believe that it could be Washington's fault too? I mean, yeah, their, oh, sure. Their, their president of the team called him Kurt repeatedly, <laughs> which I think is hilarious. Is he doing awesome. it on purpose? Or yes, he must have been. There was no way. <laughs> I talked to a guy from DC about this and I said, okay, what was the deal with him calling him Kurt? And he was like, I was like, in is that, that Bruce Allen? Uh, yes. No. Yeah, okay. And I said, in that one press conference where he called him Kurt, and he goes, oh, it wasn't one. He did it for years. And I'm like, <laughs> So wait, he repeatedly called this guy Kurt for years just to disrespect him in some way? I mean, yeah. And then there was a time where Cousins won a game and came off the field. And it wasn't that you liked that. There was another one. It was like, how about that? That he yeah, screamed right at their GM or something. It was like, what, uh, have they ever hired a GM, Washington? Or did Allen take power again? Well, Scott what? McLaughlin, I think, was their GM. Yeah, at but the he time got fired when, because of the... Drinking problem, yeah, yeah. apparently. And the, did they ever hire one? I don't even know if they. Um, is it one. Doug Williams is doing? What is he? He's do doing something. I yeah, think. like some um, sort of consulting thing or something. Uh, but he's not. But I don't. Did they? You know, it's like Bruce Allen seized control again or something. And there was an interesting comment from D'Angelo Hall after the season that really, I think it was during the Super Bowl. So we all just kind of were yeah. distracted by other things. Where he said that that he felt like. Kirk wasn't really all in with them last year because of his contract situation. So there were definitely a little rumbles about this, but I don't know how much to put onto it. What what we will, won't find out until they go through some yeah. things. When and, they went yeah, through, when they, you lose one, they don't expect to or something. But he's, you know, the the fact of the matter is, he's the best quarterback. They, they I mean, Favre in two thousand nine, one of the great all timers, but Culpepper and. 2004 and a couple, three years before that. But this, you know, he's, I think he's top 10, don't you? I, I don't. Right there. I think he's probably on the edge of mm-hmm. top 10. There are some things in his game that it, it's, he's a really unique case because when you look closely into those 4,000 yard seasons, his numbers are kind of gaudy and they look really good. And then when you look a little closer, there's a lot of garbage yards in some situations. The red zone, he's not very good. There's the league leads in fumbles and there's, you know, some, some things late in games that you get frustrated by. He's like the opposite of Teddy where Teddy didn't have the great numbers in 2015, but all of his situational stats were outstanding. Third and long. He's great. Fourth quarters when they're down, he's great. It was almost like his skill set fit winning those close games where Cousins, he's lost a lot of them over the years. And that might be another thing also that turned Washington off. But this team might be so good that you know the defense is going to win him a lot of One games. One last quick question. Who convinced him to sign him? Ziggy? Want to go to the Super Bowl? Yeah. You think management said get him? I would guess it was... I would think Spielman would have rather done his building type thing and keep Teddy, but maybe not. But I, I got to think there's pressure from above to win it. Spielman, ownership, maybe even Filippo, who would have played against them a couple of times while he was the quarterback coach in Philadelphia. But if you're, if you're Rick Spielman and you look at all the different options that you can have at quarterback, yeah. this was the lowest risk one, the, the one yeah, you could well, most guarantee true. what you were going to get. I, got, I bet... I bet. The Wolves were, you know, they're making money. They, get, they, yeah. they walk out of the 
shower in the morning and there's cash up to their <laughs> neck, you know. It's, it would be, yeah, it's a classic ownership thing to say, like, let's okay. go all in on the big-name free agent. We'll be back with the Friday Fun Fest Feel-Good Thought of the Week. So uh, get ready, uh, Collar. We need your Feel-Good Thought of the Week. Lucinda Williams, you did a fine job today, young lady. We uh, appreciate your good work. Good negotiating, Patrick. All righty. Well uh, Chris Reavers, what's your uh, Friday feel-good thought for the week? Last night, Patrick, I had the pleasure of attending the Mike Poppets Memorial Game okay. a, at Veterans Field. The Vicks and whom? The Vicks were playing the Carver Black Sox, right. Mike's former Dude, team. Yes, right, where the Poppets old man of Traditionally played. That's yep. where the Papas boys played. And both have pretty good ball clubs this year, and by the way. where we play at Carver or we, Victoria? No, we played it in Victoria at Poppets Field. And I wasn't sure what looked better. And Manny's the only one that can see this tweet, Pat. I don't know if you saw it last night, but I wasn't sure what looked better. How great Poppets Field looked, because it's just pristine. Or on cool. Flag Day... The home plate umpire with the American flag umpiring outfit. Oh, really? It was spectacular. <laughs> That's right. awesome. And a good crowd last night. And uh, the Victoria Vicks, by the way, hosting the Mike Poppets' first ever tournament this weekend. Who so. won? Uh, I guess they, they have Carver a was up 3-1. to one. Vicks came back and took her 6-3. to three. And how about Ooh. this? Mike Poppets' grandson got the victory last oh, night right. for the Vicks. It, was it wasn't great. a setup, was it? No, he's good. good. He's, he's no, a good pitcher. I mean, it sounded like somebody threw the game to make it. <laughs> no, not at all. What do you got, Manny? Uh, I'm just happy. We're in the NBA offseason now, and I'm just happy that we just, once again, another NBA offseason is going to be filled with drama and <laughs> speculation. Even you love it, though. I love it. That's my feeling. Make believe. Yeah, it's so much. But I just love the fact that it's going to get everybody's gears turning and everybody's going to get all worked up and worried about it. It's it's hilarious. I'm going to love it. It's good. Uh, Mr. Collar has a very good feel good thought of the week. Uh, Uh, First of all, set it up with the previous video we had. Yes, we made a video. I challenged Judd to try 27 three pointers. So spectacular. After the Houston Rockets missed 27 in a row, and Judd went 0 for 27, and on one (laughs) particular shot. It didn't reach six feet in the air. <laughs> so, it was um, a disgrace to humanity. Oh, it really was. shoots it like yeah, my yeah. six-year-old. Yeah. Um, so then I got a bunch of tweets of like, oh, you're making fun of Judd. Let's see your video. So I made a video, and I hit 20 of 27 and oh, put it on today? Twitter today. Yeah, it's that on Twitter. Today. That is, uh, boy. That is uh, pretty damn good. How about you? Uh, what about I feel good thought of the week? Uh, I guess... Grayson Allen could be coming to the Wolves. Yeah, well... <laughs> Uh, let's see. What is my? I should have thought about this further. Roll for nation. Mm-hmm. Lucinda. Yes. There you go. Lucinda showing showing up and uh, getting through another week here. As Kenny said, boy, I'm glad that's over with. No, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Thank you guys, and uh, we'll uh, do this again Monday.